in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll repeat that. So, uh, it's uh, the reading for today's sermon is Titus chapter 2, verses 14 to 11. And it reads, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own, possession who are zealous for the good works. Good morning, church, and uh, welcome to the month of December. Um, so this year, our congregational focus has been about the fundamentals of our faith. We have been talking about our core beliefs in the church, and we started 2023 with uh, talking about what we believe about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and our relationship with Him as human beings. And then we moved on to talk about what we believe about God's Word, the Bible. We talked about the Gospel. We talked about our salvation and its implications in our daily life as uh, followers of Jesus. And then we talked about what we believe about the church and our relationship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And our relationship with the world as salt and light of the world. In the past few months, we have been talking, we, we talked about um, our identity as the people of God, as the family of God, as the body of Christ, and as citizens of the kingdom of God. So now we only have a few weeks left before we say goodbye to 2023 and ring in 2024, the new year. So that means that we still have one sermon series left in our back pockets, right? One sermon series left for December. And this month, starting today, we're going to talk about our final sermon series called What We Believe About Our Purpose. Now, when we talk about purpose, we talk about something that's fundamental. Remember, this year we're talking about fundamentals, right? Purpose is fundamental. And purpose is so crucial to human beings because purpose tells us about our meaning, it gives us meaning, and meaning gives us hope and hope for the future. In fact, Viktor Frankl, I don't know if you've heard this, this name before, Viktor Frankl was a mental health professional from Vienna, Austria, and he based his entire psychotherapy uh, practice on the premise that human beings, that their number one motivation is purpose and meaning. So. Uh, Viktor Frankl was quoted as saying this, Life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. So he's saying here that our life is not unbearable because we lost our job or because we lost a loved one. Our life is unbearable because we, don't, we do not have the purpose and the meaning to deal with with those losses. That's what, that's what he's saying. And that in and of itself is true. Because when we talk about purpose, we talk about God, who is a purposeful God. 
And God is so purposeful that when he does anything, when he creates, he creates and does with purpose. And so this morning, we are going to look into our scripture reading in Titus chapter 2. And we are going to talk about the purpose that God has given to us in this life. So this morning, as part of our scripture reading, we are told that we are the people of God and that we are zealous for good works. That's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, that we have this zeal for good works. And we see that in Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, what we're going to do this morning, for the time that we have, is we're going to talk about the why of our zeal for good works. Why do we need to be zealous for good works? And then we're going to talk about what constitutes good works. What does it mean to, what, what, what does good works mean? Okay. And then after that, briefly, we're going to talk about how we can practically engage in good works today in our, in our current age. So the first question is why good works? I'll throw a question to you. I want you to think about this in your mind. Okay. The question is this. Think about your happy place. It's not really a question, I guess. It's a, it's a, it's a request. So think about your happy place. Think about your paradise, your own version of heaven. What do you see? What's around you? You're, there's probably water around you, right? Maybe a beach somewhere. Maybe it's tropical. Or maybe it's not tropical. Maybe it's in Canada in front of a lake. But there's still water there. Okay? It's relaxing, right? Yeah? What are you guys doing in this paradise that you have created in your mind? You guys are doing nothing, right? You guys are relaxing. You guys uh, are lounging around and uh, enjoying the sun and the water. Right? That is our version of paradise. But when we think about God's version of paradise, it's totally different. Totally different. When God created the whole universe, and when he created the paradise, before, before sin came into the world, that it was paradise. You know, human beings living in the Garden of Eden, it was beautiful. But look at how the Bible refers to the creation and what God did in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished, look at this, his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It talks about work three times here. God is a working God. What can we say? He loves to work. He finds joy in work. Jesus Christ, in fact, being God, also loves work. Okay? Look at what he says in John chapter 4, verse 34. He says, my food, okay, my primary need, my basic need, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So right off the bat here, I want us to rethink what we think about work. Okay, 
we're talking about good work, right? Not work that you do like, you know, like at the hospital or whatever you do. We're talking about good works here. And everything that God has given us to do, when we do it out of faith and out of obedience and out of love for God, that's good work. Okay? We have to remember that we don't take breaks from that. That is our purpose. That is our joy. And Jesus, that was his joy. And in fact, he confirms to us that, you know, God the Father and God the Son is always working. We see that in John chapter 5 verse 17. My Father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. Work is fundamental to our life as followers of Jesus. Because that is how God created us. He created us in His image. He created us with some of His stuff in us. Like our kids, right? Yeah? We are like Him in this regard. In fact, you know, I think I've talked to you about this many times before. When He says, when God says that we are created in His image, it means that He has given us the power to work on His behalf. To rule the world on His behalf. That is what we are talking about here. That is how crucial good works are in our economy in the church. Now, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, this is the paradise that God has created. Look at this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To relax in the... No, no, no. To, uh, to lounge around in the... No. To work it and take care of it. You see that? That is the paradise that God has created. It involves good work. Because when God creates, He doesn't just create just for the sake of creating. He creates to, to produce and to provide. Remember what He did in the creation? He provided for Adam and Eve. The trees, the water, the soil, the sea. That is for Adam and Eve to enjoy and to work in. That is how amazing God's purpose is for our life. Now, let's go back to our scripture reading. Titus 2.14. Here we see the reason why we are zealous for good works. Okay? So, we see why Jesus Christ died on the cross. According to this one passage, there's two reasons. First, Jesus Christ gave himself up, gave himself up for us. First, to redeem us. From all lawlessness. We know this. We are saved from sin. We know that, right? We are saved from sin. That's the first part of the gospel. We are saved from sin. King Jesus, our King, that is the good news. He came to save us from all lawlessness. Because we know that we can't do anything to pay back our debt to God. We can't so you know, God, I know I did this, 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 and this. And I'm going to do this, 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 and this, this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you... No, we can't do that. That We can't pay for our sins. Only somebody who's perfect can pay for our sins. And that was Jesus. He was the only one entitled to be able to redeem us from all lawlessness. The second reason why he did that for us was this. is to purify for himself a people for his own possession. So now we understand that we are saved from something... So that we can be saved for something. We are saved from sin so that God can save us for himself. 
Okay? So we can't be like straddling the line between world and Jesus. We can't say, well, you know what? I belong to Jesus on Sundays, but I belong to the world on Monday through Saturday. We can't do that. Because we are his own special possession. That's why we are holy. We are set apart from the world. We are light and the world, world is darkness. If we are going to belong to the world, then we cannot be light. Then we are going to be darkness in darkness. Okay? That is why we are God's own special possession. And we are his own special possession specifically because we are zealous for good works. We are zealous for good works. So, good works is important to God. Because He loves to work. He created us with this image in us. And so, in us is this desire to work and to represent Jesus in this world. That is why we are zealous for good works. Now, we're, you're probably asking, well, what is good works? It's good because that's the second part of our lesson this morning. What then... Are these good works that the Apostle Paul is talking about? Okay? Many of us are thinking, well, is it like one of those, you know, when I, when I, when I, uh, when I put like money in some, in somebody's cup when they're asking for money on the streets? When I go volunteer at the local, you know, soup kitchen? Is that what it, yes, that's part of that, but, I gotta tell you, it's way deeper and more fundamental than that. Okay? And we are going to look into that right now. So what is this? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna set the stage here. We're gonna set the stage here a little bit. Uh, we sang the song earlier today, This Little Light of Mine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that later, okay? I'm gonna let it shine, right? We are the, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We understand that. And the reason why we do that, according to Jesus, is this. Look. In, Ma- in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, you guys ready for this? In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So these good works that we do are not things that we do because we want to earn our salvation. No, no. No. You, you, no. No. Remember, we can't earn our salvation. Remember that, right? These good works are the things that we do out of our love, faith, and obedience to God so that we can reflect God through us. Kind of like God's design for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve was supposed to work on behalf of God in the garden. He's creating that here in the church. That's why we are His kingdom. That is why we are tasked with this amazing core mission of spreading that to the world. So that God can have as many people come to Him as possible. That's the purpose. We're not just lounging around. We're not just twiddling our thumbs going, hey, I've been saved. I've been baptized. I'm good to go. The only thing that I need to do is just come to church on Sundays. If I, if I, if that, sometimes I can't, but it's okay because I've, I've been baptized. If I told that, if we told that to the apostle John and to the rest of the other apostles or to the early church, 
they would look at us, scratch their heads, and think that we have a big poster on our heads. It's like, what are you talking about? That is not what you have been saved for. You have been saved for God's work. And that is what we need to keep in mind. So now, the Apostle Paul gives us a really good idea of the specifics of the things that we do that reflect God in our work in this life. Okay? So, I know it's tiny, but that right there is Titus chapter 2. Because our scripture reading today is Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. I want us to get the context. And in this particular context, we see the what as well as the why. But we'll get there. I know you can't see it, but I'll go through it so that you guys will understand what we're going through here. In Titus 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul tells Titus, teach, the, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So he is charging Titus, an evangelist, a preacher, to say, you know what? You go teach the church that which is related or which is in line with sound teaching, with good doctrine. Okay? And then we understand that if you go at the very end, in, in verse 15 of chapter 2, right here, I underlined it. For those of you who can see it. It says, declare these things. So he says at the beginning, teach these things to the people. Because these are the things that are in line with good doctrine. And then he concludes, these are the things that you need to talk about. So we know that inside there, in verses 2 to 14, is where we get what it is that Paul wanted Titus to talk about. That which accords to sound doctrine. So he starts. So here he talks about what he needs to tell the church. What we need to know today. So he tells them that he tells him to teach the older men and the older women, essentially, to demonstrate their faith and their love to the world. Right? So that the old, the younger women and the younger men can learn from them. So that they can do the same things. You're probably thinking, whoa, 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 isn't this the stuff that we've been talking about for six years now? Discipleship? Yes! This is it right here. Each and every one of us, when we let our light shine in Christ, we are helping each other become closer and closer to Jesus. When I see Gary and Eva work, I go, wow, I want that for me. I want that for my kids. When I see the examples of the people in the church, I go, whoa, that's what I want to do. But you understand that that cuts both ways. If we see, if, if we serve a bad example, it does the opposite effect, right? So Paul is telling Titus that, yeah, it's good to learn all these things, but what is in line with good doctrine is not just, it doesn't just stay here. It goes to here and it comes out here in our actions. Older women, older men, faith and love and piety in Christ so that everybody can see it, so that the younger people can learn. That is how we disciple one another. That is how we disciple our kids. Through our example. That's why it's called spiritual parenting. When you're 
discipling people, you are being a spiritual parent to them. Okay? So, these good works that we do, we do in the spheres of our relationships in our normal life. We do it in our relationship with God. We see that here. When we are sober-minded, when we are dignified, when we are self-controlled, that is between us and God. That is in our relationship with God. And when we do that, we are able to also conduct or do good works in the sphere of our relationship with the church and with our own families. And then it's interesting that the Apostle Paul talked about bond servants here because he also wanted to say that good works is not only done in our relationship with God, it's not only done in our relationship with the church, it's not only done with our relationship with our own families, with our wives and husbands and children, it's also done in the sphere of the world outside our church. Our co-workers, our friends, our neighbors, our classmates. This is where these things ought to happen. And now he tells us why. You know, we understood at the beginning, right? In, in, in Titus 2.14, that the reason is because Jesus died for us. Because he saved us from sin and he kept us as his own possession, as the church. And he gave us good works for us to do. Like in Ephesians 2 verse 10, remember the verse? Um, but, uh, but we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That beforehand, we see that in the creation. This is what we're supposed to be doing. But then he adds a really important reason why we need to do it. We need to do all those things. We need to make sure that our faith and love are evident in our life. I was talking to Nancy earlier and she mentioned to me, you know, if I was, if, if, if I'm walking around and doing things and people do not see Christ in me, then there's a problem. And here the Apostle Paul tells us why we need to be able to reflect God in our lives as individuals. Because of that little word right there. Grace. Because the grace of God has appeared that brings salvation to all men. We know that we're saved by God's grace. A lot of times people think that grace is this word, is this magic word that when you, when you say it, it's like a snap. Because of grace, you don't have to do anything. No. Kind of like how we view work, you know? God does not view work the way we view work. God does not view grace the way He views His own grace. Because according to this, this grace, look at verse 12, this grace trains us to say no to ungodliness. This grace teaches us to renounce worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Brothers and sisters, good works is not just works of charity that we do outside. It is first and foremost foundational in our life and our relationship with God. It is, it starts with saying no to sin and living godly, upright, self-controlled lives. And so now that we've ironed that out, the what and the why, quickly, we talk about how. Okay, when we talk about how, we understand that 
we need to remember where we exercise the work that God has given us to do. And we need to understand first and foremost that it starts with our relationship with God. Me and God. That vertical relationship between me and my Savior. How is that coming along for us, for you? Do you know Jesus? Do you love him? See, when we love, it means that we do things not because you have to and because and because you know somebody told you to do it when you love something or someone you're excited to do things for them you have this zeal you know zeal means being zealous means you are eager to do it you don't have to be urged or cajoled or tricked into doing it you just want to do it that is what we do for God. And we have to understand that if we do not sort that out, the other stuff, the external stuff that we do, like coming to church, you know, having a ministry in the church, or attending things in the church, those things will not be permanent. Those things will be superficial. They will not last. I don't know how many times you've seen people like, you know, Active and then all of a sudden drop away. You know why? Because they don't have that foundation in their love for God. Remember the love chapter in, um, in, um, 1 Corinthians 13? I don't memorize it, so I'm gonna go there, okay? It says in here, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. How do you dishonor others? When you're mean to them, right? When you yell at them. When you condescend on them. When you think that you're better than them. When you're, when you're, uh, when they say something, oh, like, oh no, 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 that's dumb. When, when we say things like that, we dishonor them, right? Uh, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. That's me right there. And I'm working on that. I struggle with that. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. How quick are we in sinning today? When you get the chance, do you just, oh yeah, I'm just going to do it. It says in here that love does not rejoice in evil. But instead it rejoices in the truth. If we have love, we are going to go, oh, that's wrong. I'm not going to do it. Right? It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, if we don't have these things, it says in the first part of 1 Corinthians 13 that even if you speak all the languages in the world, even if you have like a one-man, one-person ministry in the church, even if you feed all of the poor and clothe all of the naked people in the world, and you don't have that love, right? You are mean to people, you are not patient, you are not kind, you are envious of others, you are materialistic, you are not spiritual, you are boastful, you are proud, you are dishonoring others, you are easily angered, and so on and so forth. The stuff that we do, we're doing for ourselves. We're not doing it for God. We need to understand 
that that foundation is crucial because when we have that foundation, then our relationship with the church will be so strong. Our relationship with our family will be so strong. And our relationship with the world will also be really strong. Now, I just want to encourage all of us. How do your brothers and sisters view you? Do, do they even do they know you? Do they even know your name? Do, do, do you know your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you know what they struggle from? If not, then you can't carry each other's burdens. How about in your family? How, how, how does your spouse view you? What does your husband think about you? What does your wife think about you? Okay, how about this? How about your kids? What, does your, what do your kids think about you? Are you an example to them of what being zealous for good works should be? How about in the world? Do your coworkers even know that you have a faith in Christ? Do they know that you love God? See, if it doesn't start at the top with God, these other things are going to be superficial. And we are going to be hindered in our purpose. We're going to forget about our purpose. People are going to look at us and go, that's supposed to be a Christian, but I don't see Christ in that. I see something else. Okay? Reminds me of the first time. Do you guys know about anything about dog racing? I'm not a big fan of it, but I just, I remember going to the States once. I think we were in Florida and it's everything on TV was dog racing. There's this, you know, what it is is like there's this oval and then the dogs are just running around the track and they're chasing this mechanical rabbit. Do you guys know this? This mechanical rabbit. These dogs are fast. So there's this guy that you know the, the the dogs are at the starting line there's a cage there and then he waves around like you know this mechanical rabbit to them and then they get excited oh i want it i want it and then they they put it on the mechanical thing and then the dogs cut loose and they go go after this thing right they go after this thing and i'm thinking do these dogs know that they're being duped to doing this they don't obviously because they're doing it And then you see them go, go, go. I don't know how many times they go around. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the race, the rabbit disappears. And these dogs were like, what, what happened? You know, I'm just thinking, you know, they're, they're, they're in their kennels and they're going, oh man, George, did you get the rabbit today? Oh no, no, no. Tomorrow, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it tomorrow. Don't worry. I'll get it tomorrow. Oh yeah, me too. I'll probably get it tomorrow. Can you guys see the parallel in our lives? We're chasing after these mechanical rabbits that are not really the good works that God is talking to us about. And we're wondering why we are not satisfied in this life. We are wondering why, why am I so busy in this life? You know, I'm thinking, I actually saw one time when the rabbit, the mechanical rabbit malfunctioned. And so the dogs got at it. And you know what happened? 
they stopped racing. And they were like, do you see the de- dejection in their, in their hearts? Like, this is not a real rabbit. How about us? We realize sometimes that, hey, what I'm chasing is good works. You know, you know what I'm saying? According to me, but it's not really. And then we, we, we get it. You know, we chase a lot of rabbits. We get the rabbit, right? You got, you got your promotion. You got your corner office. You got your dollar signs, right? You got your $500,000 in the bank, maybe a million dollars in the bank. You got your nice house. But then you realize, you know, this rabbit is not, it's cracked up to be. So what do we do? We go for another rabbit. Also a mechanical rabbit. And then the same thing happens. And we wonder, what is happening? Why are we not satisfied? You know, that happens not just with jobs. It happens with people that we surround ourselves with. We think that our wife is my life. Or our mother and father is our life. But then they pass away or something happens to them and then we don't have any more purpose. We forget what we're supposed to be here for. Because we have put blinders in front of our eyes. We have been chasing mechanical rabbits all along. So brothers and sisters, today, as we stand and sing the song of invitation, I want us to really pray hard. Because our song, closing song, is a prayer. Okay? It asks God... To give us the heart of a servant that is zealous for good works. Let's stand and sing.